so after the massive success of our crossover episodes, I did want to turn this portion, or at least some of this episode, into a review on Fifty Shades of Grey, because I did end up watching the movie, and I do have some thoughts, and i just love to talk about it and kind of reflect some of the opinions in the uh, episode that the girls did, and I figured we could just talk about it, because I think it was a good time. You know this is for a children's movie, right? I don't We're doing Lilo and Stitch? Mm-hmm. All right. That's cool. Before we talk about anything, can I ask why you chose Lilo and Stitch? We were in the car. Yeah. And I was playing music, and I stumbled upon Hey Melee No Lilo, or whatever it's called. That, oh, he, oh, it's like the first song that kind of plays in the movie. Right. Oh, I love that song. I don't know what they're saying, but I love that song. And I just remember you saying like, hey, could could yeah. we talk about Lilo and Stitch this week? I was like, yes, absolutely. I mean, I remember the exact moment that we clicked in my mind. We should talk about Lilo and Stitch. I'm game. I'm ready. So here's a Lilo and Stitch and Fifty Shades of Grey. Quick take. <laughs> First off, I've said this a million times. Uh, I, again, think that this crossover was such a success. I think you did an incredible job explaining that movie to me. When I did it for The Lobster, I think one of the most challenging things for me was trying to figure out how much and how little detail I needed to share with you. And I think maybe I went a little bit overboard, but I think you found the perfect balance. You were able to make it succinct and still get the main ideas across and I think you did a really, really good job. I was laughing and grinning the entire time. Uh, it was great. And then listening to the girls do our format on this movie and just kind of listening to what they had to say and kind of going into the history of the movie. It was, uh, this was just so good. It worked out so well. Uh, I'm really glad that we did this. Okay, I want to respond by saying, like, thank you. That means a lot to me. Uh, he's talking about our last episode, which was a crossover with We Explain Movies, wherein we switched formats their format is to like take a movie and have one of the people like go beat by beat through the entire movie if you're not familiar and it's really awesome like it's it winds up being really funny having someone explain (laughs) it to you no matter like how scary or sad or anything the movie is it winds up always just being like a really good time or Um, bad (laughs) scary sad or bad yeah so uh we switched with them, and they did our format, the the take one, two, and three format, and their episode was absolutely incredible. But I also want to tell you that, like, not only was your episode uh, when you did the lobster, which you guys scroll back on our uh, on our website, like a couple of pages, and you'll find the lobster, and that was when Jordan did that to me, explained the movie to me, and I thought you did a fantastic job. Uh, well, once you. I watched the movie, it was. I think it I think it says something like when you watch the movie and your description was better than the movie. <laughs> you know, like I think that I can, that's that's how you know you've done a good job. Like I enjoyed your description yeah. more than the movie. But I will say on this particular episode, um, I don't think it would have been nearly as fun or as funny if I didn't have you to sort of bounce off of and react to the ridiculousness of this trash film. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. So you did a wonderful job as well. I mean, I know you. you weren't like like acting or trying. You were simply reacting as best you could <laughs> to what the hell was going on. But uh, you did a great, a great job as well. 
So I did watch the, thank you. And I did watch the movie and I can definitely say that your explanation was way better than the movie itself. <laughs> oh, well, I that think means a lot. <laughs> the five of us can agree that this is not, it's not a great movie. It's really not. It was definitely like a, a hit me in the face moment when I was like, wow, I don't like this movie. I'm really <laughs> surprised that I don't like this movie because I used to love this movie. I don't know what happened. And I can't really explain it. It's just strange. I just thought I just it just had merit before that I just don't see anymore. It's it's very strange. I don't understand it. But <laughs> now I'm excited. I want to watch the sequels with you. I eventually want to talk about them. It's going to be an interesting time for sure. It is. Along that vein, though, I do have some opinions and some oh, thoughts. Oh, yeah. Talk to me about the first one. Call me crazy. I, like, obviously... First thoughts, I guess, immediate thoughts. I wrote this in my letterbox review. I don't know who gave a 12-year-old going through puberty, what was it, $40 million to make this? <laughs> it has every single trope of cringy fan fiction, and it was really hard to watch. But Dakota Johnson, unsurprisingly, massacred the role. She did an incredible job. She really stuck to it, and she committed which I, you know. Yeah, I think that says a lot that she committed to how sort of ridiculous things were. <laughs> I have a question for you. The girls brought up the argument that this movie was self-aware and was maybe a satire or like kind of like, I think they yeah. said taking the Kimmy. piss. What is your opinion on that? Do you think that this was intentional? Okay, so I'd like to think that it, is <laughs> okay. I'd like to think that the movie's in on the joke, but I also worry that E.L. James, who was the writer, was so involved in the making of this film that maybe maybe they are not as in on the joke. <laughs> I guess it would come down to whether or not E.L. James was sort of in on it, and if she realized how much she was writing was absolutely trash and smut. Like, oh, that's hard to say. It's a very fine line when you're when you're talking about BDSM and sexiness because that's a whole community that you could sort of piss off if you don't do it exactly right. Mm-hmm. But you're trying to make this as accessible to everyone. Does that make any sense? It does, yeah. And I think the girls really uh, went into that and yeah. went into the specifics of what went wrong with this movie. So definitely go listen to them. Uh, they explain it much better. Uh, but I think you're right. I think there there really wasn't a lot of research involved with this. I think uh, it was fair for the community to be kind of pissed off. It just wasn't told in a way that was respectful, I think. And with even just a little bit of research, I think that could have changed, which is disappointing because I think this movie had a lot of potential. I think the story could have been good with the right resources. Unfortunately, it was not. I think the whole time this this kind of mood or aura that we got from Christian was much more threatening. And I think yes. from from what I've heard of the BDSM community from, you know, the girls episode is that it's really not threatening. It's it's intimidating, but, you know, for for, you know, pleasure purposes. And it's consensual on both sides. One of one of the, the sides should not be scared of the other. Yeah, like there's nothing wrong with BDSM. In fact, like like I think it could probably be cathartic for a lot of people. And not to mention, like obviously it's wrapped in sex, so that's good for lots of people as well. This movie made it feel like taboo. 
it made it feel taboo and it turned it into abuse is what it is what happened it's 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 yeah and in like this modern day of like being like hyper accepting and not kink shaming and all that stuff it sort of plays a little differently because having her sign like a consent form like that's like i that's good i'm glad he did that but like I don't know, it's setting it up to be this like horrible thing, whereas like BDSM is not that big of a deal. I think just the connotation of this yeah. entire movie was just off. It was just off and it, totally. it shouldn't have been that way. However, I do have some points that I did like and I want to talk about those. Talk about them, um, please. The obvious, I think the soundtrack was so good. It was incredible. It really is. It's a great Impeccable. soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. So that that team kudos you did a great job uh the, my favorite part is the airplane scene um i think the music fit so well there uh and was it as good as when i sang it to you uh i mean yours was better obviously okay. um you really set that up thank you thank you um <laughs> i enjoyed the last third of the movie i think the turning point was when she finally gets to her mom's house in georgia i think is that mm-hmm. where she is yeah, I think once she arrived at her mom's and kind of saw how Bob made her feel, I think we're finally able to see some depth and like humanity from Anna. Granted, this is her mom's fourth marriage, as she's mentioned. Um, as someone who's not had a relationship or has always dreamt of one, the scene finally makes that part of Anna make sense. Like she has dreamt of this. She's always wanted this. Uh, and it kind of makes her reactions make sense. And it's really one of the first times we see any humanity in her and not just this bag of meat that Christian can, you know, push around. (laughs) Um, And I I wrote this little paragraph and I'll read it before I go into my edit. But I wrote this before I listened to the girls episode. I said, I think there's some merit to the production and editing. Nothing is more gray than Seattle. And the color palettes made sense. Things were very muted, very subdued. It's it's rare that we saw, you know, it's not this like blissful, happy romance. It makes sense that we rarely see a sunny day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I think it's no mistake that this was this took place in Seattle, like well, Fifty I Shades mean, of Grey. It's it's like a really you know, and it's also um, like not that far away from Forks. What's Forks? Uh, is it Forks? I'm probably saying something wrong again, but that's where Twilight takes place. Oh, okay. In so, Washington. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that was really well done. I wrote, I don't know if that's a book thing or a movie thing. Like, I don't know who did it first, but I was like, props. And then I listened to the girls episode and I was like listening to them talk about it. Courtney yeah. said it perfectly when she said, L. James just isn't smart. She did it on accident. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized that this is not a Fifty Shades book or movie thing. It is a Twilight thing. And Twilight did it first. Um, totally. And I forgot that like Twilight was supposed to be set in the foggy, rainy Northwest where there is no sun. And we don't, you know, Edward has to hide his sparkliness. So um, we can just scratch that point off. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> oh man. It makes me want to watch twilight. Yes. I totally agree. I can't remember exactly who, who said it, but I think one of them had talked about the fact that they didn't really think that it was like, um, like an attractive looking movie. The cinematography wasn't that great. And like, I think there are definitely aspects of it that could have been improved, but like specifically, I thought the boardroom scene was just so gorgeous. 
I don't know. I just thought like there was a lot of like really pretty shots that I really enjoyed. I don't know how how well it aided in telling the story. And I know cinematography is supposed to work hand in hand with the script and the editing and all that stuff. Um, but I was definitely at least impressed by some of the shots that they got. I'll leave it with this. I think the movie could have had potential. I think it could have been great if there was any kind of research done beforehand, really by any of the parties. Like there were too many hands on this to to make any of that excusable. But it was very clear that there was none done. Uh, I still keep it as a four on my letterboxed. In the beginning, I think I realized it was worse than how you were describing it. But the potential and the third act kind of bumped it up just a, a hair for me. However, I don't think I'm going to watch the others. Uh, I kind of don't want to support them, really. And I think one of the girls said it in their episode that it should have just ended with that last elevator closing and Anna leaving and just that being her answer and that being the end. Uh, I think that really closes it up beautifully. And if you want to watch them, fine. But I think my direction is going to go straight to the Twilight universe. I've seen all the Twilights. I want to watch these sequels. So I'll go be watching it. the sequels. I know <laughs> I, I'll... um. I'll obtain them without paying for them. No, <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. I'm obviously going to pay lots of money. Don't come arrest me, FBI people. Right, okay. Yes. Um, but yeah, I have not. I think I've only seen the first one like once, and it was years and years and years ago. I have not seen any of the other ones, and the girls can't stop talking about them. <laughs> They're a mess, but it's definitely like a fun ride through all five of them. I guess there's five of them, yeah. There's five? Like, yeah, because it's... um. Oh, Twilight, the last book. New Moon. Oh, what's the third one called? Breaking Dawn or something. No, that's the fourth one. What the fuck is the third one called? Eclipse. Eclipse. So it's like mm-hmm. New Moon is when Edward leaves and there's like a like there's like an absence because like New Moon is when it's gone. And then Eclipse is when like Jacob comes in and there's Okay, like a, you're spoiling things now. I don't I don't know. Spoiling anything. <laughs> I'm just telling you that like the the points or the the names of the books actually mean something. Why why did Edward leave? You'll see. Okay. It's not like it's not a big deal. Like I probably Are they streaming you. anywhere? Huh? Are they streaming anywhere? I don't know. We're gonna have to find figure that out. There's a there's a website called Just Watch and you can type it you can type uh, anything in there and it'll tell you what streaming services it's on. You can even plug your streaming services that you have in and it'll just show you those. Really dope website and it's free. You hear that, just watch? Sponsor us. Non-spawn. Oh. Sponsor us. Oh, okay. So are we, we're done with 50 Shades, right? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with that. Okay, great episode uh, from We Explain Movies. They did a wonderful job. And um, But okay, so I wanted to talk about uh, one thing. I said in the last episode that uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson was Sam Taylor Johnson's brother. Aaron Taylor Johnson is Wanda's brother. He is Sam Taylor Johnson's husband. So I, I just got that. I got my wires crossed. And then I forgot to tell you that I have been watching The O.C. with Kayleen, <laughs> who is one of the We Explain Movies aunts. And, well, we've not been watching it, like, together. But uh, she was watching it, and I told her that I, like, loved that show when I was younger. And she was like, oh, my God, you should watch it as well. So I started, and I'm, like, almost done with the first season. And she's on the third season, and I think there's only four seasons. So she just, and it's not been that long. So she is powering through it. And uh, I just wanted to to say that out loud that Kayleen and I are getting back into the OC. Or, well, she's never seen it, but I, I she seems to be enjoying it. 
and I really like it up until like one particular point and then I fall off. But still a good show. So like soap opera-y? No, I mean, I like the actors and yeah, like a lot of like um, melodramatic things happen. And uh, like, you know how every every week on um, Grey's Anatomy, there's like a bomb going off or a shooter or a storm or something like that. There's sort of aspects of that that come through. Uh, does the OC come with uh, every episode having a version of Chasing Cars acoustic? <laughs> No, not quite. But they do have a good soundtrack, a very like nostalgic soundtrack for someone that listened to a lot of music back then. I don't even know when it came out, but um, I just wanted to reference that because that is something I'm also doing. Did you watch anything new this week? I don't feel like I have. Uh, not since I brought up. Actually, let me check my letterbox. I mean, we just had an episode like three or four days ago. so We did, yeah. I don't think uh, I've watched anything since Forgive then. us. <laughs> um, did I talk about Bad Trip? I don't think I did. Actually. Yeah, you did. Well, no, you told you told us. You told me and my mom. Yeah, when yeah. We were all together. I watched it. It was it was really funny. It was. I was surprised myself at how much I laughed at, at that movie. You actually kind of sold me. I'm going to get around to watching it for sure. Oh shit! I watched. I care a lot. Did I did I talk about that? I don't think no. I did. No. I care a lot is really really freaking great and i think i honestly loved every minute of it and there's a point in time where i'm questioning my allegiance like where i fall like what do i want this person to win or do i want this person to win and (laughs) at the end of it i was very happy wait who who recommended that movie to you you i know oh okay you're welcome. You did. Yes. Thank you so much. It's <laughs> I knew so you would. Good. I mean, I give it a nine out of 10. I was absolutely blown away. Rosamund Pike has never, ever let me down ever. And I've only seen, I think like three of her movies, but still. I want to see Hostels. She's in that. I don't know what the hell that's about, but. Is that the scary one? Huh? That's probably, that's Hostel. No, I think it's about, like, I think it's like a Western. I think there's like, like a cowboy in it. I think Christian Bale might be in it. Maybe not. I don't know. This is like a hub of misinformation. (laughs) That's how we do it here. All right. Should we talk about Lilo and Stitch now that we're like 30 minutes into the episode? Yeah, let's uh, let's go into Lilo and Stitch. Obviously, this is a classic. I absolutely love this movie. Always have. I just got finished watching it and I wish that it was my first time because there were a lot of things that I knew were funny, but saw them coming. Yeah. Like uh, just the small details, like her friends in the pickle jar and the the voodoo stuff and her taking pictures of the fat people is just like, who comes up with that? That stuff is genius. It's fucking hysterical. 100%. Like I think that is why I related to Lilo so much when I was little, because I felt like I was really weird too. (laughs) and like i was like whoa this is someone like me like this is really cool you know she's not the perfect princess she doesn't have a prince charming there's really not a uh there's a missing market i guess in in disney that i think she fills well she's like four years old or something right oh not four maybe like definitely not four eight i don't know maybe but still seven or eight still and I mean, it, it also, you know, it's a movie about a kind of dysfunctional family and oh, definitely what that feels like and having to raise a child on your own. And I will say that the ending doesn't really make sense. I think uh, they were about to take Lilo 
in the car with Bubbles. She escapes, and then they get into that space race. And when they get back down to the Earth, Bubbles is like, okay, you can stay. Like That doesn't really register. They sort of talk their way out of it at the end. Like, I own this dog on Earth. (laughs) Like, what does that mean to this galactic, like general that is coming to steal this monster like that that's, can wipe worlds out. That's fine. Like, I don't know the alien. <laughs> sure. Maybe that's legally binding. I don't know. But the whole, like Lilo didn't do anything within the span of bubbles, taking her and her like them saving the day for him to be like, okay, you can stay with, with Nani. Like she doesn't like, what does she do to make him change his mind? It doesn't really make sense. Yeah. I think, I guess maybe it was when the general says, or I don't even know if she's a, I can't think of her name. What is her name? The green lady. Yeah. The alien, the green lady. Uh, when she says that they're now under the protection of the galactic empire, like maybe Maybe. he thinks, okay, you know, I'll just check in or whatever. Like, (laughs) like I think he shows up in other movies. I'm pretty sure like that's not the last time we see him. I, I've seen all of those movies because I was obsessed when I was little, but I can't remember what he was in. Do you mean Lilo and Stitch movies or other Disney movies? Yeah, Lilo and Stitch movies. That, okay, that makes sense. Bubbles yeah. did. Um, yeah. Can you, do you know who they modeled that character after? Stitch? No, Bubbles. Oh, I know he's, he was voiced by Bing Rames. Yeah, but do you know like where they got the inspiration to design his character? I mean, he looks like a Men in Black pretty obvious if you think about it no not men in black what is he it's from a tarantino movie oh is it from pulp fiction yeah yeah that's great because he i mean being rames is in pulp fiction look at you yeah are you proud of that that's awesome thank you for telling me that that's really cool all right let me say something like the the starting out shit that we normally start out with and take three okay so this movie obviously we both know it came out in 2002 it had an $80 million budget, and it wound up making $273 million worldwide. That's awesome. Which is great. That's good, especially for a movie that came out in 2002. Yeah, I heard that this movie kind of dug Disney out of maybe like a, I don't want to say depression, because they've always been mega rich, but it was off of like Atlantis and Emperor's New Groove, who really didn't make a lot of money, totally. so they needed to kind of go in a new direction, and that's where Lilo and Stitch came in, and it made them a lot of money. In the 2000s, apparently, like in the span of like the 2000s to 2010, there were only a few movies like including Princess and the Frog that like made their money back and were positively received. Like it was really very few, not like now where everything makes a billion dollars, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, got an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is great. Oh, I honestly expected it to be higher, but it's still, you know, certified fresh. That's great. It actually got nominated for Best uh, Animated Feature, but it lost to Spirited Away. You know what's funny about that? What? Is that the voice actress that played Lilo also played the lead role in Spirited Away. Totally. So it's funny that that, that worked out for her. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. She was in two Oscar-nominated movies that year. That was really yeah. cool. But yeah, you can tell it was like slim pickings because they did Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron. <laughs> Uh, which is like a boring horse movie. I'm sure horse people like it, but I didn't like it. <laughs> Whenever I hear Spirited Away, my brain has to like make an extra jump to be like, no, no, it's not that horse movie because they have like some <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, Spirited Away is much, much better. Yes. Um, have you seen – did you watch – okay, so when I sort of threw off the, the timeline for uh, our crossover episode – 
I, I can imagine that this is probably why they did this. We Explain Movies did a short episode about your name. I think it was just like a last minute, okay, let's have an episode because uh, or Nick is in the hospital. Um, <laughs> yes, I do recall. Yes. Have you seen your name? I've not. Have you? Yes. It's really? really like, I remember I watched it several years ago. It's really good. Huh. You should totally watch it. It just made me think of that. I just wanted to bring that up. Okay, so this movie was directed by Chris Sanders and Dean. I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but I'm going to say it. De Blois. It's like D-E-B-L-O-I-S, like De Blois. I don't know. I don't know how you would pronounce that. But I'm going to call him Dean D. <laughs> this was both of their um, directorial debuts. And this is really cool. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a lot about Chris Sanders. So Chris Sanders uh, is the director of the film. He co-wrote it. He uh, was a co-character designer, but he also was the voice of Stitch, and he went on to voice Stitch in the direct-to-video sequels, the video games, the Disney Channel series, which totally kicked ass. I loved that show. Yeah, I did too. Uh, It was great. I've probably seen every episode of it. Uh, he co- he also co-wrote and co-directed How to Train Your Dragon with Dean D. D. Mm-hmm. And he co-wrote Mulan and has a story credit on Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. Yep. And he co-directed The Croods. Like, holy crap, this guy's like doing well and he's been doing well for a while. Good for him. <laughs> Quick sidebar about that. And this is something that I really enjoyed reading because it was sort of a problem that I related to Chris with is that apparently the studio and like the art animation department in Disney uh, really fought a lot with Chris and his style and everything. And he was upset that a lot of times the, the studio would encourage using things that they've used in the past because they've been successful. They were very uh, against taking risks. Which, this works, so let's do it over again. Totally. Exactly, exactly. Like let's not risk anything because we don't want to, you know, I'm going to keep our money and that fucking sucks. That's, you know, that's something, it's one of my big problems that all the Disney princesses look the same. Every, like all the animation looks exactly the same. It's all this plastic stuff. And there's really not a lot of risks that are being taken. And Chris really didn't like that. So that's what kind of forced him to go to DreamWorks. And that's how he started How to Train Your Dragon. And he, there's a video and I'll link it in notes. It talks about his kind of artistic style and how a lot of his, sketches and concept designs are very bubbly there's not a lot of very sharp edges uh i think this is very clear in his character design as well if we look at nani and how like meaty her fucking legs are and yes just like oh she's i love that beautiful 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 uh in one of the video clips i saw it showed a picture of uh like two different cameras two sketches of lilo's camera one was like a box. It was like sharp edges and stuff. The other one was very bubbly. And it kind of is a perfect example of of how he styles his drawings and stuff. And I'll link that. Yeah. It's really, really cool. You should see that it. That is cool. Um, yeah, and you can tell that a lot of that followed into Mulan and uh, very much so in How to Train Your Dragon and the Cruise as well. So I thought that was interesting. I I, I like that a lot. To yeah. Chris. yeah, yeah. I, I just keep thinking of um, Toothless yeah exactly yeah yeah so my brother-in-law that's like one of his favorite movies and i think my sister gave him a toothless like stuffed animal but he travels with it (laughs) that's that's actually really cute have you seen that movie yet have i seen how to train your dragon no yeah god you need to come on no you know what i kind of was thinking like maybe eventually we do it here on the podcast and i'd go in fresh 
I could, I would do that. Yeah, I would do that. I well, love that. Okay, movie. we we talk about a million movies that we would do. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, oh. Let me talk to you about this like really amazing thing that I think I, I still is probably my favorite thing about this movie. And it's not even part of the movie. Uh, it's just so amazing. So Disney had a bunch of trailers that came out that inserted Stitch into a lot of like the Disney classic animated movies. So there's a Little Mermaid one where Stitch like surfs a wave that crashes on Ariel. There's one where uh, Stitch is when they play the Circle of Life on Pride Rock. Uh, Rafiki lifts up Stitch instead of Simba. Um <laughs> He gets on the magic carpet with Jasmine and Aladdin while they're playing a whole new world. He's and in, he like takes Jasmine away. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the, the he, Beauty and the Beast one is my favorite. Yes. He causes the chandelier to fall <laughs> during when they're dancing. And those are classic. Beauty like I, we grew up with those commercials. Totally. And that's like, I just remember being like so excited. I used to have so yeah. much stitch stuff. Like really? I was obsessed with aliens when I was a kid. You've you've seen my old room. The ceiling was was space. It was like space wallpaper, like different planets and stuff like that. Like I was obsessed. So here this like little cute alien is and this little weird girl who I can identify with. And I'm like, <laughs> this is my fucking movie, man. Until <laughs> I saw Halloween, which I think I was about 13. Uh, which means I was 10 when this movie came out. So for like three years, this is my favorite movie of all time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Like nothing could beat it. I watched it so much. (laughs) Yeah. This is up there with like uh, Emperor's New Groove and stuff for me. Like those are just classics that still hold up. They're still funny as fuck today. Totally. My favorite two animated movies of all time. And it's hard. I think I placed, I think we did like a, like a list a long time ago on, on here. Um, but it's sort of hard to place them. It just depends on like how recently I've watched one or the other, but it's right. Moana and Lilo and Stitch. And it's funny because like both of them are like very Island centric. It's funny how those two are my favorite and they both have like a lot in common. <laughs> yeah. Apparently the story was first originally meant to be set in kansas it was meant to be about an alien in a forest where all of his interactions were with woodland creatures who wanted nothing to do with him and thank god they decided to set it in hawaii instead because that sounds boring as fuck i mean i'm sure it would have been cute and awesome but like hawaii like the island i don't know like i just have i I really i think i do need to go to hawaii because i'm just thinking of like (laughs) movies that are set in hawaii like i think about the Brady Bunch going to Hawaii a lot. I watch 50 First Dates. 50 First Dates is like my favorite Adam Sandler movie. I just love Hawaii. They start off this movie with like one of the best jokes where Stitch hijacks the the police car and he's landing on Earth and she's like, what is that blue stuff? And, and they're like, oh, it's water. And she goes, huh, that's fine. Like he... He can't survive in water. Earth is mostly water. And then as it zooms in, there's that little island. She's like, no way. Yeah. You gotta be shitting me. Like that's, it's so fucking funny. It's an island. Yeah, Yeah. that is awesome. And I love how at the beginning, it's really, it's really funny when they talk about uh, mosquitoes being endangered species and then it turns back around that bubbles is the one, Cobra bubbles is the one that, uh, that convinced them that it was an endangered species, which made me very happy. Cause I was like, 
Uh, you got your facts wrong because there's way too many of them. <laughs> I'm sure that we need them. I don't know why. I'm not an ecologist or whatever the hell you would call it. But mosquitoes suck ass. <laughs> uh, Tia Career, Career uh, and yeah. Jason Scott Lee, who are the voices of uh, Nani and David. Mm-hmm. They both grew up in Hawaii. I believe Tia was born in Hawaii. So That's they awesome. Helped, yeah, they helped with the dialogue and the slang for the, the characters in this movie, which was super cool. Oh, I like that they were like on board that early. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Uh, in the end chase with Stitch and Jumba, the original scene was meant to be uh, with an airplane that they hijacked. But since this movie came out very close to 9-11, uh, they reworked that to kind of make it the ship that Jumba and, was it Peakley? Peakley. Nani and Lilo's last name is Pelekai? Pelekai? Okay, I saw that and I had never known that before in my life. I, I had yeah. no idea what their last names were. So Pele is the goddess of fire and volcanoes in Hawaii, apparently. And Kai means seawater in Hawaiian. And you can see their last name when they stamp the adoption paper at uh, at the, the pound or the adoption center or whatever. Um, you can see it on the – it's like it's signed Nani. Uh, That's really cool. Maybe I was on IMDb or something and I'm like, what? Their last (laughs) name is Pelikai? Okay. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And the last thing I have, I figured you would have brought up by now, but do you want to kind of talk about Lilo's character and some of the other, or I'm sorry, Lilo's voice actress and some of the other things that she's been in? (laughs) Okay. So DeVay Chase uh, was very little when she did this and she was also pretty young when she was Samara in The Ring. She's the girl that crawls out of the well and uh, kills you, basically. And she's also in uh, Donnie Darko. And she actually grows up, and there's a movie called S. Darko, which I've never seen. It probably sucks. Is it like a Donnie Darko sequel? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that that was a thing. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, like, apprehensive to watch it. I don't think it was very well received, but um, <laughs> whatever. That's awesome. Oh, I want to talk to you about Tia Carrere, maybe? I feel so bad that when I pronounce people's names wrong. Not that they like have any idea or be, or talking about them right now, but um, <laughs> I really like her because she was in Wayne's World one and two. Oh, really? I oh my god, I love Wayne's World. <sighs> I'm showing how gay I am. AJ and the <laughs> Queen, which is RuPaul's show, that mm-hmm. really, really unfortunately got canceled before they could finish the damn story because we got one season, but like it's a, left on a giant cliffhanger, and then they canceled it, which is ridiculous. Because it was like a cute show. It was stupid, but it was cute. Um, and you would think that like the clout that RuPaul has would be able to keep it going for at least more than one season. Anyway, uh, she's like the main bad guy on that show. Hmm. And I really like her, and I love her voice. And Nani, to me, sounds a lot like Jennifer Lopez. Okay. Do you not, do you not that, hear yeah. that? When she's like, yeah, I stupid do. head, and like she kicks the car and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. To me, I'm like, oh, man. I think of uh, Jennifer Lopez every time I hear her voice. That's funny. At That's the beginning funny. of the film. <laughs> I just want to say that I totally identify with that poor guy with the ice cream. That's how I seem to tan. <laughs> I also love the soundtrack so, so, so much, especially the last song. It's a good one. Uh, Burning Love by Wynonna Judd. That gives me like total goosebumps. I was like literally dancing when I heard it last, when I watched the movie and it just caps off the movie so well. 
I don't know. I could talk about that forever. <laughs> no, you're right. I completely agree. And one more thing. Okay. I just thought it was so funny. I noticed this just this last time I, I watched it. Uh, Pleakley's like holding up that view master and looking at the shots of the earth or whatever. Right. I love that Pleakley has one eye and he's looking at a, a view master and then he hands it over to Jumba who has four eyes. Four. And it's like, yeah. this doesn't work for either of you. <laughs> I love that. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is great. It will always have like a super duper amazing place in my heart. I think it's, I mean, just about flawless. I really love this. I mean, yeah, again, the ending is just sort of wraps up because we need to wrap up the film. (laughs) The the ending did not, you know, spoil this in any way whatsoever. I still love it. It's the hammock scene gets me every time. (laughs) heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking and devastating but i am very glad that it does work out in the end yeah so yeah even if it doesn't make sense i'm glad it it just happened (laughs) the quotes that i remember she's like i like you better as a sister than a mom and uh she she says and you like me better as a sister than a rabbit right (laughs) i love that Uh, my friends need to be punished with the pickles is amazing um I love when she bites the little the red glasses head. girl. What is her name? I don't even know. Oh, I don't shit. Even we can't remember these people's names. But um, the little girl that's like hulaing at the hulaing at the beginning. And that was the, watching this again. This was the first time that I realized that they were making an obvious comparison between Stitch and Lilo because totally. they both they both bite someone, and that both of those people are like, "Does this look infected to you?" And I thought that was really clever. I don't I've never noticed that before. So they are. Um, yeah, they are like different sides of the same coin. Like They're meant for each other. And it, it totally makes sense. I don't know what else to say other than like killer movie. God, if you haven't seen it yet, please watch it. Like it's it's worth it. I'm 28 years old. I still love the fuck out of this film. You don't have to be a kid to enjoy Lilo and Stitch. Certainly not. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for listening to us talk about Lilo and Stitch for however fucking long this was. But um. And thank you for listening to us talk about Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, I guess since Jordan's not going to watch these with me, I don't know. I might do something by myself. I'm not sure. But um, (laughs) I want to watch them and I want to talk to you guys about them someday. Do it up. Have fun with that. Shut up. I totally am going to convince you to watch these with me. (laughs) Also, watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It is so fucking good.